Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use rotoballer.com's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off using discount code SAMSKY. Just visit rotoballer.com, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Hello, welcome to yet another episode of the Catcher's Corner. Uh, I am Eric Samolski, joined as always by my co-host Sammy Ackley. Sammy, how are you doing? I'm good, man. We got, you know, I think the Yankees and the Mets are on a collision course for October baseball. What they if, look uh, really good. What if the final four teams are two teams from L.A. and two teams from New York? Oh, my God. People will be up in arms talking about the disparity in Major League Baseball. Like, it's yeah, not fair. The, the, the big market you, teams. You know who won't be up in arms is Major League Baseball. Yeah. They would, they would love it. Give um, me all those ratings. Yeah. So we're going to try to rebound from what has been a, a pretty brutal week of fantasy baseball for you and my teams in our home leagues. Uh, yeah, we're, for, we're some, for, for some yeah. fantasy baseball or so for some baseball betting, um, you know, the, it's been a rough week in, in general. Uh, but we've got Mr. Batflip Crazy himself, Toby, on the podcast. So, Toby, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, back. Time, it's time number two for me. I'm, I'm excited know. to be here. I appreciate you guys inviting me back. Um, and I'm excited to, to dig into some fantasy baseball with, with all of you. Week Fantasy baseball-wise, and I feel like the first, but I feel like I'm working on a five-week disadvantage because the first five weeks were so bad. Oh, my God. Well, it's just terrible, terrible. Dude, we, we we were talking about this earlier, and we were looking at you know we were like you know guys are talking about you know guys in our league are saying you need to make trades, and and I'm looking at it like half of the league doesn't want to make a trade, and the other half that does either don't have what you need or are not willing to deal at this point because right. or it's been so tight. Or you look at a team standings and they're doing so well and you're like, I don't know how based on who they have, but, right. but who knows? I, right. You know, I mentioned this um, actually, uh, Toby, I think it was a, it was a comment to, to Bubba in that podcast that he cheats on you, um, you know, Bubba in the bloom. Oh but, yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great podcast. No, it is. It is a really good. I'd podcast. actually say it's much better than the podcast we do earlier in the week, which is unfortunate, really. No, love, love both of them. They're on my, my weekly listen. Um, but you know, they were talking about mid round disappointments and I, I really think like, you know, we talked about this a lot just in general, Sammy and I, but like the, the deader ball for whatever, you know, reason, whatever major league baseball did or whatever the changes are like my, I drafted a team where like in the mid rounds, I got a lot of guy, a few guys that I thought were like 15, 15 type of players right like your Akil Badu's your um Trent Grisham's you know your late round Jonathan VR's guys that people were like okay they'll give you you know double digit steals and home runs and not only do I mean all three of those guys I named have just been atrocious and brutal and cut from my team already but like the lack of of 
pop in the baseball is like those 15, 15 guys are almost unrosterable in a lot of leagues now because they're not really getting you much of anything. Yeah, I think I absolutely agree. I tend to do the same thing where I'm trying to, I don't target a lot of like big power hitters, you know, the guys with elite power, I'm more kind of a lot of 15 to 25 home run guys, not getting anybody who hurts me, but not necessarily getting anybody who overwhelms you in the category. And I think with the baseballs, and I think, I don't think there's anything like necessarily nefarious going on. I just think it's the humidor and in all, all of the ballparks, when you compare, you know, how parks that had humidors in the past have um, done compare uh, compared to this year, it's pretty similar, but it's just happening league wide. So there's nowhere Mm -hmm. to escape this. And I think those are the guys that are getting hurt the most. And it is incredibly frustrating to have that happen because you're trying to build with that balanced approach. You're kind of relying on a baseball similar to what we've seen in the past, you know, three, four or five years. And the results have been really bad. I think similarly though, I think as the weather warms up, um, I think those are the same type of guys that are going to start to see those numbers jump a little bit more because Aaron judges home runs are Aaron judges home runs generally. And you know, those are home run anywhere, right? They're all like those 30 out of 30 ballpark ones, but those like Jorge Polanco's those, I don't know, all the other guys who have zero home runs on my team through a month of the season. Those are the guys that theoretically benefit. So we'll see if that ends up happening though. That Uh, 30 out of 30 comment. That was a wooden Toby referencing would it dong, right? The the Twitter account. I love that. Oh yeah. That's a great one. Did you guys, did you guys check out this report? Like I can't find it now, but like, some like I think there was a player that said that they ch- they're changing the balls. It was ba- you're talking about it was ba- it was Bassett. Yeah, right. right. That's what it was, and right that makes sense because we're in the New York market, so we, yeah. we hear that that they're changing the balls during national games for more offense. Like, is that is that true? Oh, that like, I, I thought you were talking about. Bassett was saying they were changing balls in the middle of the game. I haven't heard the. No, I heard that. No, I heard that one. But like, I thought I heard something like somebody had, had said something that to the effect that during nationally televised games, like your your Sunday night baseball games, that they're using different balls to generate more offense for those national games. I got to look it up. But that that would be. Pretty, oh, that pretty was, you know what? It was another New York market. It was um, Eric Chavez, right. who's, the Met, who's the Mets hitting coach who said that um, he believes that the MLB is using juice balls for nationally televised games. That's mm. what I'm saying. Like, that's pretty freaking nefarious. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to find yeah. some nefarious Sure. Game. If it's, if that's it's happening. Nefarious. Yes. If it's, it, if it's happening. It didn't stop Eric Lauer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no. Oh boy. Um, so, so Toby, that leads to our first question. Uh, what you were talking about with the standings, which is, at what point are you personally like really looking at standings, not just to like get a glimpse, but to like really start to kind of factor in the types of moves that you're trying to make it. Do you have like a cutoff point for yourself where it, where it really matters to you? Uh, not really. I mean, yeah, just based on my like personality and the way I function, I look at the standings on a regular basis. I actually don't look at the league standings that much, but you know how, NFBC has that really helpful, like overall rank, Yeah, you know, league rank. I take a look at that and just like overall points. But I think one thing that I do during the draft season is whenever I draft a team, I always 
uh, kind of uh, put to put put the projections for each player into a spreadsheet so that I know exiting a draft kind of where my team is strong, where it might be weaker, especially in 15 team leagues, you're always going to leave with some sort of weakness on your team. And so being able to identify that early, I think it gives you an opportunity to look for that type of a thing for, for that category in fab. So let's say you're short on speed, then maybe you're going to have a little bit more emphasis on speed throughout the season, not because of how your team is doing in that particular year uh, or so far that year, but because you know that there's a weakness that's there. Outside of that, I think it's far too early to be really concerned about, um, about individual categories. I think similar to the way that it's really challenging to analyze individual players so early on with the categories, you know, there are guys who were projected for 20 stolen bases who, you know, don't have any steals or have like one steal or have two steal who just aren't keeping pace. But we know that like steals kind of work in bunches. A lot of times it's hitter pitcher matchups or, or runner pitcher matchups, you know, whoever's going against Noah Syndergaard that night or something like that. So they tend to come in a little bit of bunches. And so it's just, for me, I'm, I'm looking right now for the best player, like right. the best player for that week in the waiver wire, the best player moving forward, you know, whatever it is, I'm looking for that best player right now. And I'm not really hyper-focused on the standings unless, unless I'm like doing really poorly in a category. And it's very clear that I have a kind of a mountain to make up. And then if I'm in an overall competition, I got to figure that out. And if I'm in, in, in a, um, in like a standalone league, then you can kind of decide how you want to approach, whether you want to go for a few points or just kind of punt. Yeah. I wouldn't even worry about if you're in a trades league, I wouldn't even worry if it's a position of need personally. Like if you think that guy really helps your team and you have a player you can cut, I would add that player um, in our league. You know, I've been able to add a lot of starting pitching that I think um, is uh, like our talented pitchers. And then I've been able to flip them in deals because I have a surplus and that's what's getting me better hitters than getting hitters off the waiver wire. So if you're in a trades league, that's something that I would think about as well. So with that out of the way, we'll dive into the main topic for today. Uh, I call it this victory laps and honey traps. Uh, Sounds like a just, strip club, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, which I'm, a, I'm okay with that. But, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a former English teacher. I've got to, you know, use, uh, I've got to use plays on words. But the idea is looking at some preseason polarizing players, and seeing if we should be taking victory laps on their, their month-long performance um, because, you know, our or the industry's expectations have been met, or um, if it's a honey trap in the sense that it's misleading um, and that basically we're going to see this turnaround. So, you know, the first guy is Marcus Simeon, and it's an example of most people saying, or a lot of people saying, that last year's power was a fluke. Uh, last year was a career year and now he's outside of Toronto and basically we're not going to see that again. Um, so just for some stats, he's currently hitting 171 with a 225 slug, zero home runs, eight RBIs, 11 runs scored and two stolen bases. So Toby, my question to you is should people who were fading Marcus Simeon be taking some victory laps right now? Well, I would not be taking any uh, victory laps at this point in time. I mean, I think people should have fun. Like if the guys are doing well, that you wanted to do well, great. Sure. If the guys that are struggling are struggling, you know, don't like rub it in people's faces because it could come back to you. But sure. I do think Let's... like a lot of the, 
a lot of the concerns were, yeah, he just had this career year. Now he's going up so far in ADP. Um, and I think there was, I don't have him. I may have him on one team where he fell really far, but I don't really, I don't really have him on any teams. And it was because of that, because of the move to the Rangers um, for all those things. But I still think there's a, there's still plenty of time for him to turn it around. If he hits 270 the rest of the season, he ends up with a 250, you know, 245 batting average. And that's kind of what the projection said you were probably going to get this year with Semyon. So as long as that speed is there, the home run power will, will come, I think. I don't think it's ever been huge, which is why I was worried about the Rangers stadium. But he does pull a lot of fly balls, and that's where he gets his power. That's where he gets his home runs. He doesn't necessarily need barrels to achieve that. And right. so, you know, I still think there's a chance. But, yeah, I definitely don't think he's going to – get get you back what you put in if you were drafting him in the first three four rounds probably agreed yeah let's we can think of it as victory lapping internally like you patting mm-hmm. yourself on the back for avoiding uh, a potential we, issue why, why do why do fantasy folks have to be so nice why can't we you know why can't we just well, rub our no people's nose in it when when they let, let's let's have like a serious like you guys stink you guys made it wrong let, like let's be like divisive like well, I, I think I'm it's that I think it's the idea of like, because as, as Toby mentioned, like that might not pan out a month from now. Oh, right? well, own and, it. Own it. Sure. Well, and, and I think a lot of people do, including, you know, the person who's, uh, who's on the podcast with us, who is kind of famously owned, you know, no, a, I know, a no. missed call Toby's on, good at, on Toby's, Vlad, you know. Yeah, Toby's good at owning his own shit, which is, you know, I give him credit for that. But yeah, sure. I think, listen, I think there are, I think it's a valid point. I think there are a lot of, like with any industry where on you're using social media to promote kind of like the work that you're doing, there are a lot of people who try to, you know, sugarcoat their their takes or calls, um, you know, to, to promote that they are, you know, accurate in what they're doing. I, I'd like to think that we, we don't do that. I mean, you know, I've already owned up a multitude i'm like i was so off kevin gossman and he's making me look like an idiot I'm right now t- yeah. um, and you know i was so in on on avi garcia and thank god he hit a home run today but like that hasn't worked out to start so like you know there there are a bunch of issues there um we've we've gotten off track though um but i i i will say you know toby to your point like i also wrote I wrote something on Simeon being an avoid at, at his ADP and specifically at the ADP because, you know, he, his home run to five ball rate last year was the highest of his career. Uh, Dunedin and Buffalo where he played for a lot of the season last year, were both top eight in, you know, home run friendly parks last year. He had a 95th percentile home run per plate appearance. Um, you know, which these types of things like are show that he way outpaced, the quality of contact, like his, his average exit velocity on balls in the air was just 62nd percentile. You know, he had a 69th percentile barrel rate. He, you know, his, his contact profile is actually last year was super similar to what Andrew McCutcheon did, but Simeon hit 45 home runs. So mm-hmm. a lot of that feels fluky, but I still think he could get you 20 by the end of the season. I'm not, I wouldn't tell anybody to like, freak out and you're really not gonna if you're gonna try to trade for him or trade him you're not gonna get good value because he's he's not playing well right now you're definitely taking him at a loss if you're trading at this point yeah 
I personally, I personally am not. Um, I would try to buy in a sense, like I'm not buy for a 30 home run bat, but if you can get like, you know, you're still going to get double digit steals. I think that offense is going to wake up a little bit. So, you know, I'm not fully out on that. Well, one thing I'd say about the victory lap thing too, not to get us off track again, is just that I think one of the reasons why fantasy baseball people are maybe a little bit more understanding. I mean, there is obviously people who are not, but like, is that we've all been there where we had a guy who like started off hot and we were like, this guy, he's done, he's doing it. He's making me famous. I'm like (laughs) the greatest thing ever. Right. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of the year and you're like, wow, that was a lot more painful than I expected. It was going to be like one example that kind of surprised me. So say a Suzuki, right. Having a great year. Would you guys say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he started off great. Yeah. So like, what's his batting average right now? It's that I actually haven't. It's probably lower. Oh, I just looked it up. It's two. two Did, don't, don't 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 look it up though. I wanted to <laughs> guess without looking it oh, up. Sorry, he's hitting, he's hitting two fifty five, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. which is fine, but it's not great, right? Uh, I think he has one steal, and then he has twenty nine combined runs plus RBI. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Story, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, has like what 24, 25, You know, yeah. runs in RBI. And so it's just this question of like, we have in our minds that he was really, really good because he was really, really good those first couple of weeks. But what we're not paying attention to, what we don't see is when they're struggling. And so like, I always get surprised when I see certain players like doing poorly or doing well, because I have this narrative in my head. So anyways, I'm gotten us way off topic, yeah. but like, I think that's maybe why we're a little bit, or I try to be a little bit more understanding because like we've all gotten it right we've all gotten it wrong we've all thought we gotten it right but it gotten it wrong and we've all thought we've gotten it wrong and ended up getting it right you know so it's a long season and if and if there was a i mean i think it's easier to own and talk i think owning a mistake and talking through a mistake can be super valuable in in just figuring out your process and where you might have missed on somebody or maybe if you didn't miss process wise but it just didn't work out but the issue is that like the major platform for fantasy baseball content right now is Twitter where like, you're not having nuanced discussions about why you may be missed on a player. Like that conversation doesn't happen there. So people are like super reactive or everything becomes like a hot take instead of, you know, diving into, Oh, why were we so high on Simeon? What did we miss on it? Et cetera. Mm, Totally. Um, Which actually leads into the next guy because fantasy baseball, Twitter loves, loves Randy Arozarena. Um, you know, and I, and I'm like, I might've been like a little bitter about this, uh, as a Red Sox fan, because I felt like during the Red Sox Rays playoff series last year, like every time he got a hit, my Twitter feed was like, playoff, Randy, playoff, Randy, here he comes. And I'm like, he's not playing all that well. And the Red Sox are handling the series, but like, you know, everybody roots for and expects a lot of Randy Rosarena. But there was a narrative coming into the year that, you know, his, you know, he way outperformed his expected batting average last year. So there were a lot of people, even though those stats are not predictive, who were just saying that, you know, between his plate discipline and that, that the the average would not be there. Um, He's currently hitting 229 with a 356 slug, one home run. Nine RBIs, 14 runs, four stolen bases. So the little bit of the the power being capped uh, has played out. But Sammy, you have 
Randy Rosarena on a team. Yep. Do you feel like he's are you are you disappointed with your early returns? Uh for sure, dude. I, I just I he's just hitting the ball on the ground so much. I mean, he's currently his ground ball percentage is at 58%. His fly ball percentage is at 10.5%. That's like he cut that in half. He was at a fly ball percentage of 20.6 last year, and he shaved that you know, in half in one season. And his ground ball rate has definitely been has been you know rising since 2020. 46 and a half percent in 2020, 49.2 last year, and now at 58.1. So uh, and then he's chasing a lot more. Um, it's just been disappointing so far because I thought there'd be a little bit more power. Uh, I guess right now he's a, he's Tommy Edmund. I mean, and you know, the guy that you could have gotten that, way that's later. harsh on that's harsh on Tommy Edmund. Stop <laughs> it, Tony. Um, I mean, considering I, the draft price you put into Randy Rosarena, right. like it's sure as hell disappointing at this point. Yeah, for sure. I, w- yeah. I will say you're right, just a minor correction because I'm looking, it's a 20% fly ball rate, which isn't good. Well, it's um, 20, 20. I'm looking at what are you yeah. looking at? I'm looking on at fan, uh, on fan graphs, 20.9% uh, fly ball rate and uh, a four, a 59% ground ball rate. Okay. So, so I'm looking at StatCast has it differently. They have them at 20.6 last year and they have them at 10 and a half. Right oh, now. interesting. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, your point is true that it's not good. Yeah, uh, no, no, it's just, it's just whenever you're watching him, like at the plate, like you're just seeing like numbers, they're not even hard like contact ground balls. It's like, what is going on? What is this? Yeah. Where's Toby? Are you... Randy? I want playoff Randy. I don't yeah, want regular don't think... season Randy. I think, I think everybody wants playoff Randy. Uh, Toby, were you buying into a power output from a Rosarena or were you also believing that like, you know, 2020 was good, but that might be just who he is. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he would get around 20 home runs. Uh, yeah. 2020 seemed like a reasonable, reasonable expectation. I think that's what most projection systems had him mm-hmm. at. I mean, yep. even now, if you look at the projection systems, they're mostly, you know, they'd have him between 15 and 18 home runs with uh, between t- 19 and 21 steals. So they're all pretty much still in line. I think some of the pieces like Sammy mentioned the 60% ground ball rate, that's much higher than his career average. You know, will it stay up that high? It's it's possible, but chances are it's kind of peaked and he's going to have another little valley. And I think when you see that valley, that's when you'll start to see more barrels because he's hitting the ball in the air more, you know, even though, you know, he's he's hitting it, um, you know, not as hard. Well, at least I guess it's right around. Uh, let me check out the, um, yeah. So his hard hit rates, I mean, it's like reasonably within what he's gotten in the past. So I think there's that piece. The steals are nice. He's got a 5.8% home run to fly ball rate. His career is 18.4%. So again, there's been a, a little bit of bad luck there. And even the 306 Babbitt, his career is 348. It's only 830 plate appearances, but there's a little bit of bad luck there. So when you add the home runs on top of maybe a little bit more batted ball luck, because he generally, he's fast, he makes relatively high quality of contact. And even when you put the ball on the ground a lot, like that's not necessarily a negative thing for your batting average. So with all of those things combined, you can see why the projections are giving him what they're, they're giving him. They're not discounting that power heavily. And I think that's a fine assumption to make um, with a Rosarena, especially because that ground ball percentage is so out of whack, unless there's something mechanical that's really driving that 
that increase. Um, and it's something that he can't fix. Uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't see that come down even to like 40% for a 30 day window as well. And then you're going to see him hit five, six home runs and then he'll be fine. Yeah. yeah and, and just to be clear, like, I, like I didn't have the expectation that he would top, you know, more sure. than 20 home runs. Like I just want to make it clear. I, I draft him on the power speed, you know, getting me 20 and 20. I thought that was extremely valuable uh, considering the scarcity in, in saves uh, in, in steals and just kind of, Hey, getting somebody that could, could chip in, in the, in, in the uh, power department. Yeah. And I, and I, I agree with you both. I think he will. I think that the narrative though, that there was more power to be tapped into because of, you know, his playoff outbursts, I think uh, was always slightly, slightly flawed. Um, you know, those ground ball rates that Sammy mentioned, I mean, he was around 50% ground ball through the majority of his career in the minors. That's kind of, been who he is and because he has speed that can sometimes allow him to over you know perform the expected stats but you know I think my concern is according to fan graphs right now I mean it's a it's a six percent increase in in O swing he's swinging a lot more his swing percentage overall is up six percent and when he had a really good second half last year he actually swung less um his swing rent went swing rate went way down in that's like incredibly hard to say who knows who knows why mm-hmm. um in the second half and he was so he was barreling the ball more making a lot more hard contact because he was swinging less so i think maybe we just need to see that uh it seems like a very aggressive um profile to start the year off uh but so I, i'm not I, I wouldn't be fully out but i i don't think there's more power coming and i don't think people should ex- should expect that um you might get 15 20 now just because he's off to a slow start but i think the speed is for real he just needs to get on base to make use of it yeah um a guy who is not currently getting on base enough to make use of his speed (laughs) is trevor story uh and the narrative on story was obviously pretty clear cut he's gonna leave cores and he's gonna flop outside of cores um he's currently um, as we watch the Red Sox game right now, he's currently now up to date hitting 206 with a 585 OPS. Mm-hmm. He did just hit his first home run of the year. Um, the Schneid in today's game, uh, which now means he also has 10 runs, uh, and 14 RBIs and one stolen base. So, Toby, are you in the camp that says Trevor Story is going to be? a completely different player outside of Coors or is this a slow start for a guy on a new team? Yeah, I think it's a slow start for a guy on a new team generally. I mean, I don't really, you know, we've seen different players leave Coors and be okay. I mean, I don't know if we've seen that many, but like Nolan Arenado at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the thing with story is I think, a, you know, he didn't have a full spring training cause he wasn't signed. He signed late. He's in kind of a hotbed of, I mean, Eric, you know, you're, you're a, you're a Red Sox fan. Like you, there's a lot of pressure there, right. To perform yeah, immediately. They're booing, the, they're booing the hell out of him. Oh, exactly. at least last week they were, they were, and you know, he hasn't been playing that well, but he's also been unlucky like that. His home run today, I'm assuming it was a barrel. It may not have been, but that would have been his sixth barrel of the season and his first home run. Um, even though barrels per home run are down, like they're not down that bad, you know? Right. Um, so there's been a little bit of lack of luck there. All it takes is one to two hot weeks. And all of a sudden you have a guy who's 
at 250 with four home runs and a few steals and things are looking looking okay um mm-hmm. the bat x even hasn't projected rest of season for a two foot uh, 249 batting average with 20 home runs and 14 steals so again not maybe what you thought you were going to get but um certainly not something that's hurting you too badly especially since you know depending when you drafted him you probably got him in the third round at some point. I mean, some people drafted him in the second, but um, the batting average was always, I think the biggest question mark for him. Yeah. That, that home run today was 422 feet. He hit it. He hit it 105.8 miles per hour at a 27 degree launch angle. So I believe that all fits within the, would it, would it, within the the question? Uh, I think it would have donged in 30 out of 30, (laughs) 30 out of 30. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but I'll okay. check. I'll, ch- I'll have to check the tweet. But I feel like 422. I think I that's think a fairly dogs, safe assumption. That that get out in, in most, 30 out of 30. Most yeah. Areas. yeah. 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 I just like, I almost made a deal uh, for Trevor Story in my home league because I looked it up and it's like his strikeout rate is up, but his O swing is down and his O contact is up. So it's all just swings and misses at pitches in the strike zone. Um, and his zone swing rate is actually down and his called strike rate is up. So everything that's going on with Trevor story is going on in the strike zone where he's missing more at pitches in the strike zone. And he's actually just taking more called strikes, which to me is just like a, a, a rhythm and a feel thing. Like for a guy who's been in the major leagues that long to just kind of lose the sense of the strike zone to me is not like, oh my God, he, he lost the strike zone. He'll never get it back. It's He's just kind of lost a little bit of the strike zone right now. Um, and he's he's a little bit out of whack. But, you know, and his, his fly ball rate and, and ground ball rate, fly ball rate is up, ground ball rate is down. You know, his launch angle might be a little too high. Like these are minor things. I, right. I think there's I mean, I, improvement. It, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of pressure when you sign a big deal and then you run out you run Xander Bogarts out of town at some point, like, you know, that kind of pressure is, you know, especially in that market, it's, it it has an effect. Yeah. And then as a, as a hitter, you have that pressure and you have a slow start and then you start to question what you're doing. So then you start maybe changing the approach a little bit because you're in your own head about the slow start. So, you know, uh, who knows, maybe the, you know, he had a couple big hits last night, the home run today, um, you know, so maybe he's, he's breaking out a little bit. Settling in. Yeah. Settling yeah. in. Let's talk about another guy who hit his first home run of the year today. Um, and it's Whit Merrifield. So there was a narrative on Whit Merrifield that basically he's only good for speed. Um, and because he's getting old that basically there's going to be a plateau for the 33 year old Whit Merrifield at some point in time where he's no longer going to be valuable. So Sammy, I know you've never been like a huge Whit Merrifield guy, but if you had Whit Merrifield on your team, would you be like, get this guy off my team right now uh, because he's currently hitting, or before today's games, he was hitting 139 with a 167 slug, four runs scored, seven RBIs, and three stolen bases on the year. I mean, I've just never generally been a fan of uh... – profiles like this um i've always you know tried to stay away from the you know one trick pony uh kind of players uh but i mean some of his his metrics don't look that bad i mean his 
Um, his walk percentage is right around where it was last year. Uh, his, his strikeout rate is down. His hard hit percentage is up. Um, you know, the barrels are compared to last year, you know, his barrel percentage is at 3.2. He was at 3.5 last year. Um, exit velocity is, is the same. Um, I'm just wondering if there's a change in his, you know, plate discipline um, on what's going on. I mean, there's not everything, none. I mean, it kind <laughs> yeah. of looks like somebody just that just got off to a slow start. Um, yeah. So if you drafted him specifically, uh, for you know that those 30 to 40 bags that he's going to get you i mean the metrics say that he's getting on base at the same clip uh that he was l- last year he's just not hitting well right now so i would i would hold um but obviously if there's if there's a deal to be made for someone who needs help in the category right now um you know i, I would think about it for sure yeah, Toby, is this a he's got a 158 Babbitt right now, and that's going to course correct, or are do you have any concern about Merrifield for this season? Yeah, I mean, there's always concern when it's like an older speed type guy. Um, but I mean, I think the folks who leveled the criticism that you mentioned, I think, are also taking for granted the batting average. I mean, he's had an elite batting average for pretty much every single year he's played. I mean, it has been down for two consecutive years, but even 277 in today's game, like that's the equivalent of 282 in 2020 and um, so on and so forth. So I think he's getting a lot of bad luck. Uh, Like you mentioned, the 158 BABIP. Um, Sammy mentioned the three barrels that he has, you know, didn't have a home run before today. I imagine that home run was probably a barrel. Um, And so again, like he can put together a few multi-hit games in the course of a week and he can get that batting average above 200 closer to 250 and then you know you still have five months of the season to really do the work there so the only thing you know again like his live drive rate is down but line drives have the most variance from batted ball types his ground ball percentage is down so he's hitting more balls in the air so you'd expect the babbit to be lower but not what it is his career home run per fly ball rate is 7.1 percent it's at 0% before today. So, you know, all of those things, again, are things that happen in a small sample of plate appearances. And the sample is getting bigger, which is a concern. But as we saw today, it, once it gets bigger, you can also start to incorporate some of those games that boost the line instead of continue to drag it down. Just yeah. wanted to know, like, his, his XBA right now is 254. It was 263 last year. But his X slug is 386 this year. It was 383 last year. Uh, his Woba is at uh, is at 161 with an X woe of 296. So I mean, there's got to be some course correction at some point. Yeah, and the X stats is interesting because you know a lot of people are talking about X stats with the new ball and like you know trying to decipher um, how much to use X stats. But I think it's pretty clear that like there's nothing in the profile that really jumps out as being different. The only thing that stands out to me is, you know, Toby mentioned that the ground ball rate is down and the fly ball rate is up, which I don't know is really a good strategy for a guy who is a speed player and his infield. And Kaufman Stadium is trash. Right. And and Kaufman Stadium is trash for for right-handers. It's terrible. Right. And his infield fly ball rate is up to 12% which when you add that to the fly ball rate is like, he seems to just be getting under pitches and maybe he just, you know, he's got to iron out that minor issue in the swing, which is, you know, allowing him to, or causing him to lift the ball a little bit too much. Um, that's the literally the only thing that stands out. Yeah. 
Uh, Toby, we're gonna move to we're gonna move to pitchers right now. There was a lot of people that just weren't touching Shane Bieber because they were concerned about the shoulder. Uh, the last start was was super troubling. Um, he is currently his stat line overall isn't terrible. He's got a four thirteen ERA um, with a three fifty six xFIP, but a fourteen point eight strikeout minus walk rate, allowing thirteen point four percent barrels. Were you concerned, Toby, coming into the year? Do you think people who have Shane Bieber on their team now should be concerned? Yeah, I would definitely be concerned. I mean, the velocity dip is is massive, um, especially for a guy like him where we saw him at his best when he was at like 93, 94, and now he's all the way down to like 90, 91. Um, it's a challenge, and then you see the skills eroding as well. So swinging strike rate down to 12.7%. Uh, o swing is down, and that's something that he's really relied on. I mean, it's still good but it's down considerably from where it used to be. Um, and that's huge because more and more he's been outside of the zone. Like he started out his career, not really nibbling. And now he nibbles a lot zone percentage down at 37.4%. That walk rate really should be going up. Um, you know, he has not been hit as hard as he had has in the past, but you know, is that a, um, is that like good or is that bad? Does that just mean that the worst is, is yet to come, right? You shared the barrel rate. Barrel rate was super high uh, at 13.4%. So it's not like he isn't getting hit hard. He's getting hit hard. The hard hit rate is equal to where it's been in previous seasons, but the BABIP is low. The strand rate is uh, low as well at 66.1%. So there's a little bit of give there. So he's managed to put it together, but I think the challenge is you see that K rate down in the low twenties, you know, he's, he's basically Zach Granke. I mean, let's be honest. Um, oh, I'm just uh, 14, 14.8% K minus walk is like league average, you know? Right. So once the also, batted ball stuff starts to turn, then it could be, it could be trouble. Yeah. Um, I would also say based on, based on what he's currently doing right now, uh, Zach Granke would, yeah. He dreams of that 21% strikeout rate. <laughs> his, his is like 4.5. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, oh, yeah, I, it just doesn't – I mean, Bieber is a good pitcher, so he's able to kind of mitigate some damage when he's not, hit. you know, the, the Bieber that we're used to. But I, he, this is not the Bieber that, that we're used to. Um, nope. Sammy, I, we might be getting the Robbie Ray that we're used to, though. Uh, there were there were a lot of people who said this is a little bit of a flash in the pan great year but he gave up a lot of hard contact and he's going to yep. come back down to earth uh he's currently percentage he's currently, was going to go back up like right. that, that that was a concern right he's currently rocking a 422 era uh with a 14.9 percent k minus walk rate which is basically the exact same as bieber uh is giving up 7.7 percent barrel rate do you think we could see Ray bounce back closer to what he did last year? Or do you, are you also in the camp that last year was a total mirage? Uh, I think it's one of those years where a guy just puts it all together. And then, you know, unless your name is Jacob deGrom, you're not replicating a Cy Young season and, and you settle back into who you were. Um, and this is who he is. So I, yeah, I, I'm in the camp that I thought last year was, an outlier year um, 
that I don't think that he was going to replicate and kind of settle back into what he's always been, you know, a high walk guy uh, that gives up contact. Uh, he's going to get you a ton of strikeouts, but when he gets hit, he gets hit hard. Uh, and that's what I thought he'd fall back into. And I, you know, we should take a victory lap uh, on this honey trap uh, <laughs> that was out there. You like that, right? I did. That was uh, good. That was good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was in that camp that I wasn't sold on Robbie Ray, you know, being anything close to uh, you know his signing, yeah, signing season. And you mentioned the strikeouts, which are down, um, right? And, to- and Toby, which is surprising. I'm curious, yeah. I'm curious, Toby, if you're concerned by he's he lost two miles an hour on his on his four seam, according to both Statcast and Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard. I see that Fangraphs has him losing just um, like a mile per hour. Uh, actually, well, one and a half. But um, this this velo- it's a, it's only the second time since 2014 that he's been under uh, 93 miles per hour with his four four seam velocity. So, Toby, are you also concerned about Ray? Yeah, I am. I'm concerned about him. I think it's a hundred percent velocity. I mean, not a hundred percent. It's mostly velocity, though. I mean, he's down two miles per hour over previous seasons. I will say he is ticking upward. Uh, at least I have fan graphs in front of me. And according to them on a kind of game by game basis, he's now in the mid 93s. So he's like 93-4 over uh, last game, um, which I think was a pretty good outing against the Phillies, if I remember correctly. Um, some other things like he seems to have completely faded any other pitches other than his four seam and his slider. He's only thrown 16 curveballs and changeups total this year. Um, he threw 181 curveballs uh, last year. So not a big percentage of his pitches by any stretch of the imagination. Um, still really small, but he was at least showing it occasionally. And he hasn't really done that um, at all this season. But yeah, I think it's 100% below, you know, forcing fastball swinging strike rate is down uh, 3.5%. Uh, the slider is still an effective pitch for him, but that fastball just hasn't been as good. So I would say if he can, it keeps on moving that velocity up and he gets back into the mid-94s, then I don't think he's going to recreate what he did last year, but I think he can be, still be a very good pitcher. And so that's the one thing that I'd really be looking at if I were somebody who had him on my team is just monitoring that velocity and hoping that it continues to tick up. And then alternatively, if you, if you are in the need for K's, he's in a good ballpark, the team's decent. You, I think you could do worse than trying to get a cheap Robbie Ray as you see his velocity kind of ticking up over the course of the year. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And the velocity also matters for him a lot, not just on the fastball, but on the slider, which is also down two miles an hour um, and is missing Mm -hmm. fewer bats than, than last year. Um, The slider is a good transition to the last guy we're going to talk about in the negative side, which is Sandy Alcantara. And we're talking about him in the negative, not because he's doing poorly. He's got a three Oh three ERA and he is keeping, well, the, the, actually the walk rate is up and he's got a one thirty two whip, but there was a huge discussion in preseason rankings on Sandy Alcantara with a lot of people pushing him into the top 10 because they looked at the fact that he was throwing the slider more at the end of last year. And they said more strikeouts are coming. Well, his K rate is down from last year. His K minus walk rate is actually just 10.3% right now because the walks are up. Um, Sammy, I know you were in the camp of like, he's a good pitcher, but not a strikeout pitcher. 
Yeah. Do you do you think that like this this is who he is, and we should not have been expecting more from him? I, I thought like you know we had seen an uptick in in his K profile. Like we saw in 2018, he's at 7.94, and 2019 he was at 6.89. But then in 2020 and 21, he was up over eight. And I thought that that was a fair place of where he would settle in as as a pitcher. So anybody that was expecting him to kind of get, you know, uh, in the mid nines, maybe closer to ten, uh, I thought was just unrealistic. Guys are who they are. Like, and you saw the progression from the six and seven, uh, you know, K per nines to the eights, and that was that was I thought that was the plateau for me. Like that was where he was going to end up. So this idea in the same way that we looked at Eros Arena and said, you know, if you think that there's going to be more power here, that you're kind of fooling yourself. Uh, I felt the same way about Sandy Alcantara's uh, ability to kind of generate more whiffs and, and become a, and progress on what he built on the last two years, for sure. Yeah. And he's actually throwing the slider more in two strike counts. It's up to, he's using the slider 29% in two strike counts. It was just 24% last year, but he's got just an 11.5% swinging strike rate on that slider and a 24% CSW. The whiffs on his four seamer down too. He's just really not missing bats. And you're not mad, Toby, about a 303 ERA, um, but you know, is this, was this worth the cost that people were paying or do you think maybe there's more left in the tank? I think it's too early. I mean, after today's outing, he's at a 274 ERA and a one, two, two whip, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, which is fantastic. Right. And I think, especially, I think we, you know, the context of the league is so strange early this year. It's really hard to, to judge pitchers by, by the, by their ratios, um, at all, but, the thing with Sandy too, I think is even though he doesn't provide the per inning strikeouts, he still provides you with a good chunk of strikeouts because he throws so many innings. I mean, last year he was one of only a couple pitchers to pitch over 200 innings. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for us to expect that he's going to be under that this year. Um, And he's got 37 K's in 42 innings right now. As the weather heats up, maybe that fastball goes up a little bit more. I think that's one thing that we forget too is along with that slider last year, his fastball velocity also increased towards the end of the year. And so that's something that over the course of a year, fastball velocity, I think it goes up about one mile per hour. So if guys are are about around where they were averaging last year at the beginning of the season, I think there's it's encouraging for them to hit higher velos later on. And I think that's when you may see him turn on the, um, uh, turn on the strikeouts. And I mean, the thing that's beautiful about Sandy is he does have the changeup as well. That's glorious. And he's got the slider that in the past has been really good too, in addition to the fastball. And so, you know, he, he, he has things to get lefties out. He has things to get righties out. Um, and so I think that also, is encouraging in terms of him just being able to figure out that pitch mix that works, that works well for him. So I feel pretty good about him. I have him in a really big league. I feel pretty good about where he's at right now. Um, I feel pretty good about what the future is going to look like for him. It may not be those elite strikeout rates that we've seen with other pitchers or that we saw in the second half for him last year, or not even the second half, like the fourth quarter last year. Mm-hmm. But um, I still think it's gonna be really good. Yeah, I just want, I just want to jump in and just say that I think he's a I think he's a really good pitcher. 
So I, I don't want to take it. I just I, we were just talking about specifically the, the the expectation on on his K rate, and you know he's at seven point eight two now now. Uh, and I think what you're saying is is that you know we could see more, but I think I think we'll just get him back to where he was last year. Oh, uh, and he's still a pretty valuable pitcher to me because sure. of what Toby mentioned. You know the innings, the ability to kind of the durability to kind of be on the mound every fifth day. Uh, and the fact that he provides you with kind of a lot of good things in every specific, every, you know, area that you're looking for, whether it be, you know, whip and uh, ERA and, 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 you know, contributing in the K department. So I, I do think he's a really good pitcher. I was just more speaking to the same way that we were speaking about Rosalina in terms yeah. of expectations and kind of, you know, keeping them at bay a little bit. Yeah, I think, and I think that's important, right. Is to differentiate between, you know, the expectations and, um, you know, and the results. And in a way, it's like it's also good for us as fantasy baseball players to realize that sometimes a good thing doesn't need to become a better thing. Right. Yeah. Like Sandy Alcantara was a very good pitcher in fantasy last year and is a very good pitcher in fantasy this year. And he doesn't have to become now a strikeout pitcher, too, in order for people for him to be useful for fantasy. We We want him to because everybody wants to check all of the boxes. But sometimes he could just stay a really useful pitcher who isn't a high strikeout rate pitcher. And that's also fine. Um, but I think we have yeah. this desire to like, to try to make, especially somebody who he's just 26 this year, we have this desire to try to say like, well, if he also does this um, and kind of outsize our expectations a little bit. Wait, he's only 26. Yeah. Dude, it feels like he's been in the league like 10 plus years already. Why does it feel like that? Well, because he, yeah. bro- I mean, he broke in, uh, his first, like he broke in when he was 21, but he just pitched eight innings. But you know, he when he first came up again for the Marlins after the trade, he was 22 years old. I mean, he's super he's young. He's a bullpen guy too. Yeah, yeah. he's been around for so long, dude. Jeez. You know who also is just 22 is uh, the recent no hitter thrower Reed Detmers. Uh, so oh, the one that you, the one that you, the one that you left on your bench the other day, he was on. I my left be- him on was, my bench too. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was on. He was on my bench in three out of three leagues that I have him in, and I, I'm not like I'm not I'm not kicking myself. For no, it. I get like, it. I get it. No, I get it. It'd be great. It would be great to have had him. He was a 5.32 ERA pitcher who had been struggling, you know, to put guys away, who was facing a good offense, and you know. And he still struggled to put guys away. He had two right. strikeouts. I didn't even count as a no-hitter. <laughs> Garbage. I actually, called, I, actually, I actually called him a bum when I realized he only had two Ks. Yeah. You get a no-hitter and you only got two Ks, that's a bum no-hitter. I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody did an analysis of how much how lucky you have to be to give up. He must have he gave up 25 balls in play and not have a single one go for a hit. That's Think funny. about that. 25 balls in play. <laughs> that doesn't make any and sense. Zero yeah. hits. That goes against everything that baseball is in terms of law of averages. Yeah. I mean, that's worse than that's that's worse than Whit Merrifield's Babbitt. You know? <laughs> like uh, it's zero. Yeah. Which Pretty is, cool. you know what? But but it but it counts and we'll take it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to we're going to transition to some guys, um, some positives or hopefully positive, some guys that are off to hot starts, which validates uh, some people's um, expectations for them. And the first one is is Jazz Chisholm Jr. for the Miami Marlins. 
there was some thought that he was a budding, you know, 25, 25, potentially more kind of star. Um, his ADP shot up towards the end of drafts. He's currently hitting 300 with a 600 slugging percentage, five home runs, 16 runs, 21 RBIs, and six stolen bases. Toby, are we witnessing the, the birth of a fantasy star here? I mean, potentially. Um Chisholm has always had kind of that power and, and steel combo. And I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit because I, I liked him. And I think one of the complaints that I always heard was that he had really bad plate discipline, you know, like swings at mm-hmm. everything and then swings and misses at everything. But when you look at what he's been throughout his career, it actually hasn't been that bad. I mean, even last year at 73.3% for contact rate, um, that's not terrible, especially for a free swinger. Um, 72% this year. I mean, the Babbitt's a little bit elevated. The home run per fly ball may be a little bit elevated, but right in line with his career average. So there's nothing crazy looking there. Uh, he has 11 barrels for those five home runs. So, I mean, he's doing it. And, and kudos to him. I mean, he's such a great personality for the game. He has six home runs now because he... Because he hit a home run. Um, he hit a home run today. He hit a home run today. A three-run homer. Yeah. yeah. It, when, that's the same inning that Avi um, Garcia, uh, who's oh, on. Oh, yeah, that was that team. was all like the eighth of the eighth or ninth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, was, yeah it, was it was all played. then. Yeah. Avi Garcia is on my TGFBI team, by the way. I don't know if you if you knew that or not. I think he's um, getting. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's like the only league I don't I don't have it. <laughs> wow. It's too bad. You really could have used that 200 could, batting average on your have, team would, for this first I, month of the season. I would have loved it. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything looks really good um, for Jazz. The ground ball rate is down considerably again, so we're probably going to see some regression there. But if he can continue to keep it lower, you know, if he's if he's closer to like a 40 percent ground ball guy, you know, than he is the. 40, 45% that he's been throughout his career. That's going to be a huge different from a home run perspective. You know, he's got that position in the lineup back, back hitting first, at least against righties. I mean, speed power, like it's all really nice. And it's in a, it's with a guy who plays with a lot of enthusiasm and you have to love that. Yeah, Super star. dude, For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, he, he's also cut down the O swing, which is nice to, to say, see. Yep. you know, the swinging strike rate is swinging strike rate is up a little bit, but like it, it is a little bit of like who he is. You know, I also love that the ground ball rate is down a, a lot, a lot, and the fly ball rate is up over ten percent. The pull rate is up over twelve percent. I mean, like that that adds to power, right? You're yeah. lifting and and hitting more to your pull side. This um, reminds me of when when Jose Reyes came up. And they were saying the same things about Jose Reyes. Does, doesn't get on base like in his rookie year, like, you know, swinging at everything. And it was just like, you know, superstars, like, you know, need, they need time to, to kind of figure these things out and work on the things they need to work on. It's not hard, it's not hard to figure out that a young kid who has talent is actually building on some of the things that he, some of the success he had last year. Yeah. And I, and I missed on it. I will say, like, I, I was, I was somebody who early, like I actually said the, one of the first things I tweeted when I was doing draft prep was I'd rather have jazz Chisholm where he was being drafted than Randy Arozarena where he was being drafted because For sure. early, early on, it was like jazz in the nineties and Arozarena was like in the forties. 
And then Jazz Chisholm wind up going up into like the 70s and 80s and ADP. And I was just saying to me, like, there are too many question marks of what you're going to get performance wise to take him there. And I'll take the L on that early on. Like, like he has answered a lot of those questions in terms of the consistency of the performance. I didn't really see this type of power profile developing, but like, I really like what he's doing with his batted ball contact and how he's attacking the ball. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, I think if there's anybody who's not a believer, I would try to, you know, take Chaz Chisholm off their hands because I think uh, he's in for a big year. Um, We're going to move to another guy who, uh, middle infielder, who people were saying Francisco Lindor was, you know, was done or was maybe never the guy that, or was never going to be again. Um, the guy that we saw back in uh, 2018, 2019 with Cleveland, uh, he had a rough 2020, and then his first year with the Mets was also rough. He's hitting only 246 right now, so the batting average isn't there. With a 418 slug, five home runs, 17 runs, 18 RBIs, four stolen bases. Sammy, are we witnessing the the re-entrance of Francisco Lindor as a top-tier fantasy middle infielder? Uh, I mean, he, he certainly started off hot. I, I'm a little concerned uh, with just some of the things that, you know, I'm looking at, you know, via StatCast. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he gets back to being what he was in 18, uh, which sure. what, what do you have, like 38? 30, yeah, 38, 38 and, and 25. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see that guy, but you're – You'll see somebody that probably settles into the mid twenties, um, you know, somewhere between twenty and twenty-five home runs, maybe fifteen stolen bases, uh, and I think that's 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 insanely valuable. Um, but yeah, there's some things that really you know jump out at me. The walk rates down. He was you know what was he at last year? I think he was at like eleven. Yeah, eleven point one down to eight point seven. Uh, he still has the same strikeout rate that he had last year. Um, you know, and I, you know, the launch angle is down. His barrels are down compared to last year. I mean, it's still early, uh, but, but also those are, but those, I will say that those are like the launch angle and, you know, the walk rates, those are kind of, those are more indicative of who he was in 2018 and 2019 um, rather than, or 2019 at least, you know, uh, rather than who he was last year. So it's not necessarily the worst thing. Yeah, no, no. I mean, obviously, like I said, it's not going to be the guy that we we saw back then uh, in 1890, but it's somebody that's still going to be a, a pretty valuable uh, contributor in in that middle uh, infield kind of grouping for sure. Yeah. Toby, are you buying in on on Lindor as a, a useful, maybe, you know, top tier shortstop as we see some of these other shortstops that we've talked about struggle? Um, not, I'm not totally bought back in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at his projections, he's projected for 22 home runs and 18 steals, which is great. I think the challenge is, you know, the batting average is not probably coming back. Um, yeah. in his heyday, he was 284, 277, 273. Um, he hits, I mean, at least he, he used to hit a lot of fly balls. His ground ball is rate is up per Sammy mentioning his, his launch angle being down, you know, he's got five home runs, but they come on six barrels. You know, the, some of the stat cast metrics like hard hit rate are down a little bit. So I'm interested to see 
um, what he what he does from here. Um, he started out hot, or at least it seemed like it. That was the narrative that he started off hot. I'm not sure how how much he's done recently. Uh, so I'm curious to see how this plays out because I think there's some signs. We have all the history that says this is who this guy could be. And then I think we have some of the more recent um, performance and some of the underlying metrics that give some warning signs to me um, about yeah. what we what we might see. Yeah. And there, there will be value also. And he's been hitting either second or third in that Mets lineup, which apparently is a, you know, a pretty strong lineup. I mean, they've they're certainly hitting uh, well, we know the kind of the big guys in the lineup, the, the Alonzos and the Martes, but I think they put together a pretty solid overall lineup there, you know, within the top, I think they're still in the top six in runs scored per game. So there's, there's some value in there as well. Um, I fudged it on the next guy because he wasn't the one everybody was talking about in the preseason. In fact, everybody was talking about the fact that he was a bum. Um, and that's Tommy Edmund. Uh, <laughs> Because everybody was all in on Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson was hitting leadoff. Dylan Carlson was, you know, going to make Tommy Edmond kind of, you know, superfluous. And the um, Edmond was not really good at anything, but he had speed. Well, Tommy Edmond's hitting 290 with a 450 slug, three home runs, 18 runs, 14 RBIs, and seven stolen bases. So, Toby, were we too mean to Tommy Edmond or? Is this just kind of like a hot a hot streak that will fade? Embrace yeah. your dark side, Toby. Everybody Embrace was way side. too mean. It was, they were <laughs> way too mean with Tommy Edmond. I mean, the signs were there last year. The signs were there last year that this guy was better than he had been. Um, you know, last year he hit 11 home runs on 24 barrels. He's got a really nice max EV of about 113, which he's – about already accomplished this year you know his three home runs this year come on six barrels so there was always this kind of a little bit of hit and pop he was unlucky lowest babip of his career although he didn't have a big sample to be going from but for a guy with his level of speed and his batted ball profile you'd expect that to be a little bit better you know than the 262 he had nearly 700 plate appearances and only scored 91 runs last year um, so I think there was a lot of signs pointing to the fact that he could be a really nice, uh, bounce back candidate. And I think we're seeing that, um, obviously the lineup stuff at the beginning of the season was concerning. If you had a, a few shares, which I, which I do, um, but you know, the ta talent wins out and I don't know what Dylan Carlson's ever done to get as much faith as he, faith as he got put in him, uh, this the first couple of weeks of the season, but um, I'm just, I'm just upset. I didn't get him more places because um, I tried to diversify a little bit um, and I wish I hadn't. Yeah. I, I picked up Dylan Carlson in our league when he first debuted because the prospect reports on him were so high and then he stopped running. He hasn't really hit for power. Um, nothing has really developed there. So, so Toby, you're saying you would also try to, if somebody's trying to sell, Edmund because they think like if you're in a trading lead and somebody's thinking oh this is a flash in the pan and they're offering Edmund are you trying to go get him yeah totally I mean leadoff hitter for the Cardinals in that division against some of the pitching staffs that they're going to face 
with the skills that he has, he's going to play every single day because he's a gold glove caliber second baseman. Um, you know, the plate discipline has been better this year. There's just a lot of reasons to like him. And he's got seven steals so far this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, here's a dude who may score a hundred runs, steal 30 bases with a well above league average batting average. I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really mind how many home runs he's going to hit. Um, if he can put that type of a season together. And I think the power is going to be decent. I would not be surprised if he hit uh, 15 to 20 home runs this year. For sure. So. Um, we'll go for two pitchers real quick to wrap it up. There was a lot of talk that Joe Musgrove was an SP one. Um, and he's currently backing that up with a 208 ERA. Uh, it comes with a, on a 266 XFIP. He's got a 25.2 strikeout minus walk rate. Sammy, is Joe Musgrove a fantasy ace in the sense that yes. if you're in, if you're in a 12 team league and he's your SP one, yes. you're happy? Yes. Yes. I had him last year. And I think uh, last year is where he kind of, uh, you know, he broke out, you know, he left Pittsburgh. It kind of seems like whenever Pittsburgh lets uh, one of these guys go, they flourish. Uh, Cole did it. And then uh, Musgrove followed along. Um so but we just need, you just need Mitch Keller to get out of town. Just get just get Mitch <laughs> Keller out of Pittsburgh. Nah. And he's going to be a stud. Um, maybe not Mitch Keller. I think that might be, <laughs> be the role. Um, but yeah, I I'm a fan of Joe Musgrove. Uh, I think you know he's building on what he did last year. Uh, you know he, he he suppressed his contact. He he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He finds a way to get outs. I, I, I love him as an SP one for sure. Yeah. I mean, 35% swing strike rate on the season overall is yep. just, it's great. Um, Toby last pitcher, Sammy needs you to say good things because he's super in on Eric Lauer um, who there were a lot of people who were actually saying that Lauer was, it was a really trendy late round sleeper. Um maybe more in like draft and holds because he was going super late, but there were a lot of people in on him. He's currently pitching to a 182 ERA on a 245 XFIP with a 29.3 strikeout minus walk rate. So Toby is Eric Lauer, the next big Brewers starting pitcher. Long as he can keep the velocity up two miles per hour. I think he's in, or I guess one and a half mile per hour. I think he's in pretty good shape. Um, I've been a huge Eric Lauer fan for a number of years. I actually have both Lauer and Joe Musgrove, um, in my one dynasty league. Uh, I had my most own, my, the pitcher I had most rostered last year was Eric Lauer. I had him in like every single league except for one, I think. And this year I have, I have a bunch of him as well. The only one in, in my big, uh, big league. Um, but yeah, I mean, the velo is everything. And I believe this more and more with every passing season. And it's really hard to predict who's going to bump up one and a half miles per hour, two miles per mm -hmm. hour. But I think that the most encouraging sign for Lauer is the, the Z contact. I mean, he's absolutely dominant in the zone, which I yep. think is big for him because he's a, he's, if you watch him pitch, you're a little uncomfortable because it doesn't always feel like he knows where it's going or he's kind of nibbling a little bit, you know, like he never quite just kind of like throws it up there, but dominating in the zone like that is a beautiful thing. The, you know, the O swing is up. The K minus walk rate is ridiculous. I just Crazy. love looking at it. I just love yeah. looking at it. Sometimes like if I'm feeling bad, 
about life or whatever. <laughs> I just sit and look at this picture of Eric Lauer, um, his K minus walk rate, his swinging strike rate, like all of it is just really beautiful. So don't what, get me wrong. I mean, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you what makes you happier is looking looking at the Eric Lauer strikeout minus walk rate or looking at the uh, Miles Michaelis photo that you tweeted out oh. with his mustache. Oh man, well, I mean, I. <sighs> It's got to be the tough such. one. Come on, it's That's, a be tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I, I apologize for tweeting that out while we're recording this because I, I'm just very, oh, do it. Co- I'm very committed to the bit. Yeah, you, you got to put the but, content. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, I would say, Lauer's metrics are probably better than uh, Michaelis. Okay. But if I combine Miles uh, Michaelis with Dylan Cease and his sure. mustache photo into one picture, then I would say that that is probably uh, more beautiful and makes me feel better than Eric Lauer. The one thing I'll say about Lauer, which is, is really encouraging or like can be encouraging, but also could be really dangerous. You know, when the, when the weather warms up, he's an extreme fly ball pitcher. And so he's got to keep those walks down, which is something he hasn't always been great at. He's got to keep those walks down because the home runs are going to happen. You know, they're already happening this year. Right. Um, and so that's just something he's going to be, that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Okay. So I've actually, wa- I've, I've watched almost all the starts so far, and I can say that it's refreshing to see a pitcher attack hitters with their fastball in the zone. Like he does not give two shit about what he's do- like. He is challenging I guess he's the velocity increase. And and the reason why I'm bought in on the velo uptick is because I think I read somewhere that he changed his arm path on how he was delivering uh, the baseball. So like he shortened that arm path. He giolitoed it. Yeah, exactly. And I remember Lauer, like when he was in San Diego and he had this really long arm path that kind of dip behind his back and it would come to, and so to see the change and then the uptick, I was like, I was sold on it because those kinds of changes uh, can really bring about tangible uh, results regarding your velo, but watching a pitch, dude, he does not care. He's, he's blowing fastballs by Atlanta Braves hitters up in the zone on the, whatever he is throwing them in hitters counts. He does not care. And that is refreshing to see a pitcher just not care and just go after hitters with his fastball. You're gonna make me now. You're gonna make me use that explicit ranking on this uh, podcast, Sammy. It's okay. No, I I think we we probably should have used it for a couple before. Um, we're gonna end. But I love with, the kids, though. I love the kids. I know. I know. Uh, we're gonna end with a game that's based off of TikTok series uh, that Dave Raspoli, who runs the TikTok account um, at Rotoballer, he does a he did this for fa- uh, fantasy football. And he called it for real or Fugazi, which is basically just, is this guy for real or is he Fugazi? Is he, a, is he you know, just kind <laughs> of like, uh, is it a fake? Uh, so we're, we're going to go real quick hit. You don't really need to do any sort of analysis, but I'm going to ask you guys. <laughs> it's players, very difficult for me to do that. You can give minimum, minimum analysis. Okay. Um, but for real or Fugazi. Uh, Sammy, I'm gonna start with you because I know where you're going. Brandon Drury, for real or Fugazi? For real. You love him so much. I do. Toby, Brandon Drury, for real or Fugazi? Um, I would say F- 
food, uh, I would say for real, but with realistic expectations yes. about what for real means. Yeah, sure. Like, yes. like 20 home runs, you know, 70, 70, something like that. Yep. Nothing out sure. with the yes. decent batting average. Yep. I'm going to ask a follow-up only for this one because he's super popular right now. Toby, are you concerned at all about like the lineup when Vado comes back, when, you know, with Moustakis there and them paying a lot of money to Moustakis? So there's kind of this theory that they want to use Moustakis so they can get rid of him. Um, are you at all concerned with a lineup crunch or no? Not really. I think the DH kind of solves that. Yep. Um, you... Votto's back at first, India's back at second, which both are, I mean, at least the second India coming back relatively soon is a little bit of a question mark for me, but right. Um, I am, I imagine that Drury is a better fielder than at third base than Moose is at this point in time. So I would, yeah, throw either I, one of them at the DH and, and you kind of have that problem solved. And, and I mean, you can't, you know, he's one of their better hitters. Yeah. Like, he just is. So you can't yeah. really like, Take him out of the lineup. Take that out, yeah. yeah. Especially when you're doing this poorly as the Reds are at this point. The cr crush in this last series, though, or the yeah, homestand, yeah. for sure. Um, all right, Toby, we'll start with you. Manny Margot, 337 average, three home runs, 20 RBI, five stolen bases. Manny Margot, for real or Fugazi? Oh, man. It's so hard without, like, looking up, you know, how they're doing it. Um <laughs> I am going to go with for real and I'm only going to go with for no, I'm going to go with Fugazi. I'm yeah. Gonna with Fugazi. Oh, I'm going to go with good Fugazi. call, Toby. Good call. What if, what uh, if I told you, what if I told you it's a career high barrel rate and career high hard hit rate, um, career high uh, average exit velocity. Um, and he's dropped the ground ball percent. But uh, drop the ground ball rate by 10% and up the line drive rate by 11%, up to 30% line drives. Would that change your opinion at all? No. Okay. <laughs> because, because line drives are the, have the most variance of any batted ball type. Right. So that is going to go down. And so when it goes down, his Babbitt this year is 366. For career, it's 292. His barrel rate is up, but it's a function of the fact that his ground ball rate is down. And so if he can maintain that ground ball rate where it, where it is, certainly. But if you believe that he's going to regress back to his career average of 43, then, you know, um, then you're going to see that go down. He's got, you know, five barrels for 6.8% compared to 5.1% last year. The key is he's got to play well to play every day. Um, right now he's got that everyday playing time because of the, some injuries and, and some demotions, but I think throughout the year, especially if he struggles, there are going to be, uh, other outfielders who compete with him for playing time. So sure. again, I don't think he's going to be bad. I don't think he's going to be bad at all. Like he's definitely gonna be useful in a 15 teamer, especially with the speed. I just think it could become dicey down the road with playing time, which has always been his thing. Like, do I have him in the lineup this, this half week? Do I have him in the lineup this weekend? Like, right. That's always the hard decision to make. So I'm going to go with Fugazi just cause I, I don't see that concrete of changes in his profile. Okay. Sammy for real or Fugazi? God, you, you fantasy guys love your numbers, huh? <laughs> Kansas, 
can't go through a speed round without having your numbers. You're it's a like fantasy a guy. Like, You're a like fantasy you guys, guy too. I'm naked without the numbers. <laughs> naked without the numbers. Uh, I'm gonna go Fugues. We've seen this before. Uh, I'm I'm good with Manuel Largo. We we've seen like flashes where like he has a really good week or two. Like Fugues. I'm going for real. Um, and I also want to point out that Manny Margot is another one. It feels like he's been in the league forever. He's 27 years old. Um, he's 27 years game. old. He's in his athletic peak right now. Um, I think that I think that the batted, you know, there's a, a increase in swing and strike rate, and the O swing is better. I think that there there are noticeable changes. I don't think you're getting a 330 hitter, but I think this is a guy who could hit 270 and play every day for the Rays which would give you, you know, good runs and stolen bases and stolen bases are hard to come by right now. So as uh, a stolen if, you're wrong, base- if, if, if you're wrong, you're, you're going to get us a round of drinks at victory laps and hungry traps. At victory laps and honey traps. Okay. Round of drinks That's and dances we're at victory laps yeah, we and honey traps. On Eric. Um, Sammy Taylor Ward is hitting 364 uh, prior to today's game. He's hitting 364 with six home runs, 20 runs, 15 RBIs. He did hit another home run today. So Taylor Jesus. Ward for real or Fugazi? I'm going to go for real with an apology to Joe Madden because when he inserted, uh, I'll take it because I was like, you know, Joe Madden is a crazy person. You know, he's sticking Taylor Ward in the in the cleanup spot. He's sticking Taylor Ward in the two spot. Like, who the hell is Taylor Ward? Obviously, this is why I'm not a major league manager, <laughs> and Joe Madden is. So I'll go for real. Toby Taylor Ward for real or Fugazi? I'm going to go for real just because I think the skills are all really good, but I do think that there's going to be some rough patches. I mean, 440 Babbitt is tough, right? There's going to be some, some coming down from that, but like, Oh, swing is fantastic. Contact is fantastic. Barrel rates. Fantastic. Can't really complain about that. And hitting sure. in a good lineup, like hitting, yeah. In front of, hitting, like, yeah, at the top of the great lineup, really middle of great lineup. Yeah. Uh, two more guys to end this out. They're both pitchers. Toby Paul Blackburn is pitching to a 174 ERA with a 087 WHIP and a 20 strikeout minus rock rate. Uh, Paul Blackburn, for real or Fugazi? Um, I am going to go with, I haven't seen what his velocity has been recently, but I'm going to go with for, I'm going to go with for real. Um, not that he's going to be this good again. Like that's my answer for every single <laughs> one of these. Cause these guys are having abnormally good seasons, but you know, the velocity's up, the sinker's working really well. The ground ball rate is really high. Um, you know, so he's limiting, he's limiting the power. Um, so I think it'll be okay. Like he'll be rosterable for the rest of the year, which, you know, weeks ago you would have been like, there's no freaking way. So right. yeah. Uh, Sammy for real or for Gazy? For real. I don't have numbers. I'm just going to go gut. Okay. Like Vlad Sedler. I got the Roto gut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm also in the for real camp. Um, I looked at the way that he changed his, uh, he reshaped his curveball a little bit. Um, and I think that's been a big pitch for him this year. So I'm also for real. Uh, last guy, Sammy, Daniel Bard of the Rockies. Fugazi. Has Fugazi. nine saves. Fugazi. Fugazi. 
<laughs> okay, Zay. Couldn't even, I couldn't even finish. Uh, Toby, Daniel Bard for real or Fugazi? Well, he had a rough Don't, don't today. be influenced by Slim. <laughs> he had a rough today. Give I mean, the thing power. is, I'm going to go with for real. And I'm not going to go, I'm going to go with for real, not because I think Daniel Bard is all that good or he's going to be all that good moving forward, but because saves are incredibly valuable. He's got the gig. They'll stick with him and give him a long leash. So I think he can get 30 saves uh, this year, which even if he does that with like a four five ERA and a one, three whip, uh, that's going to be incredibly valuable, especially with starters pitching the way that they are. Sacrifice yeah. your ratio at the altar uh, of saves. Well, I, I will say I'm going for real also. Um, you know, Sammy is a proponent of uh pitchers at the in the bullpen who get strikeouts. So are the Rockies. They said that yeah. before the season started, which is why they went to Daniel Bard. Um I also love that like he he upped his he's throwing his slider over 53% of the time. He's basically just like, okay, sliders are good in cores or they're better than throwing my fastball or, you know, I guess he doesn't even have a curve, but he's just like, my slider's my best pitch. I'm going to throw it all the time. Um, and so he's doing that and it's working for him. So yeah, I, I'm on, I'm for real in what Toby is saying. I think there'll be some rough patches, but the Rockies are a solid team. He's going to get saves. You guys set me up for failure. I just want to put it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Toby, we had a, we covered a lot of ground here. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, remind people, even though everybody probably knows where they can find you, where they can read your information, listen to your podcast, any of all that good stuff. Yeah, so best place to find me is on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Um, my podcast is BatFlipCrazy Fantasy Baseball. I record it every uh, late on Tuesday nights on the West Coast, so uh, Wednesday mornings on the East Coast. Uh, with Bubba from the Bench with Bubba podcast. And we do fab review during the season, share our ads and drops, answer listener questions. And then uh, we do like a bunch of previews and reviews and all that jazz during the off season. So full year, year round. Um, but yep. I really appreciate you guys having me on there on here. It's been a lot of fun and um, keep doing the great work. Congrats, Eric, on the two uh, FSWA awards. Thank you. Um, pretty, uh, pretty impressive stuff. I hope uh, I hope your TGFBI team uh, does well enough to finish second behind mine since we're in the same sure. league. You are currently beating me. We're both fantastic. <laughs> You're 30th overall. I'm 63rd overall. I guarantee that I will I will um, I will catch you. Sure. Uh, but uh, we're both awesome. Yeah, I think the key there is you said we're both fantastic. So yes. I'm going to take that. Yeah. And Eric, I'll join you in the basement of our home league and we can, we can stay there. Yes. Together. You and I are doing terrible there. So that's right. okay. Uh, that's a, that's both okay. ends of the spectrum. Both ends which of the spectrum. Is, which is you want to know why? Because you have Avi Garcia in that one. Right. No, Sammy does. Sammy took him. From I do. Oh, man. Yeah. It's wow. because uh, TGFBI is a free league. So I'm doing well in that. And our home league is not. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing, I'm doing poorly. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's a conversation for another time. You know, shifting different formats as as you're drafting is a good a good topic to discuss. Uh, Toby, thanks again. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Samsky NYC. I just put out a piece today on um, uh, pitchers with new pitches and should we care? Looking at the changes to the arsenals of 
uh, Tyler McGill and Merrill Kelly and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Zach Eflin as well. And those guys uh, went out and crapped the bed. So, you know, that's the the beauty of it. Um, I stand by the, the work and, you know, hope that you check it out. Um, I've got a video coming uh, this week on Eric Lauer uh, because it was Ooh, voted on by the people. So I'm doing a video oh, deep dive. Um, and you can find Sammy on Twitter at believe underscore Sammy. He is being more active and involved and engaging in conversations now. Yeah. Money's on the line, baby. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and we'll catch you. Uh, I, Sammy and I'll be back this weekend. Uh, we're watching some waiver wire starting pitchers and we're going to break down whether you should add them or not. So uh, that'll, that'll drop on Sunday morning pre your fab period. So uh, make sure to check that out. Thanks for joining us on the Catcher's Corner.